millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. We have a, a special program today, and I want to give you a little bit of background as we start out. Uh, we are going to have a conversation with Pauline Ayad. She is the widow of Rami Ayad, who was martyred in 2007. He was part of the Bible Society in Gaza City. He was kidnapped. Subsequently, his body was found. We're going to talk to Pauline about her side of that story, how it was going through that experience, and how it was to try to forgive the people who had killed her husband. And I think if you are having to forgive someone, maybe even if you're struggling to forgive someone, I really want to encourage you to hear Pauline's story. Uh, it is an amazing story of God's grace, but but not an easy story. Uh, it, it took a while for her to get to that point. So I think you'll be encouraged by that. Just a little bit of kind of background. We sat down to record this interview. Uh, she spoke Arabic. Obviously, I speak English. Uh, our translator was a male. And so what we've done is we've recreated uh, that interview. Uh, and so you will hear her words, but it won't be her voice. Uh, I'm thankful for our friends at Sat7 who helped us record this uh, with a female voice. So thank you to them. And uh, I think you'll be encouraged by this conversation with Pauline Ayad. Pauline, thank you for being willing to share with us. Thanks to you. I'd like to speak and glorify the Lord through what God has done in our life. Before 2007, what, what was your family's ministry like? Rami used to work as a banker and always got put in our hearts to serve him. But back then, he would not clarify what kind of ministry God wanted us to do. But in 2005, God opened the door for him to start ministering at the Bible Society. Rami was very happy. He chose to leave the bank and start ministering at the Bible Society. We used to minister with kids in a program called Awana and help with everything inside the church. So what was that decision like to leave a banking job, which is kind of a safe job, and go full-time into Christian ministry, knowing that it could be dangerous to do that? I told him that I was not comfortable because I was afraid. I had a lot of fear, but Rami was feeling peace. And he told me that he prayed and he is feeling peace, and he will take on this new job. I had nothing to do. I need to just obey what God put on his heart. So did there ever come a point where you did feel peace, or no? At the beginning, when Rami spoke about the getting out from his job at the bank and going to the ministry, I was afraid. Yeah, at the beginning, I was afraid. And then when he started ministering with the Bible Society and worked there, now the fear left me. Then I was good. It became kind of normal, just, just your normal life. Yeah, became normal. 
So when Rami was kidnapped, it was a big surprise? Yeah, for sure. I wasn't expecting this to happen. Even though there were some threats before that? Rami was not sharing with me these threats that they used to put on him. He didn't want you to worry? Yeah, I mean the direct threats. Because before he got killed, like a month before he got killed, they threatened him directly, personally. On a phone? Uh, No, through people. They went to him and threatened him. Not only against Rami, but against all the Bible society. A month before he was killed, a sheikh, imam, came to him and told him, I want you to convert to Islam. But Rami told him, I cannot convince you to be a Christian, but you cannot convince me to be a Muslim. Then he threatened him. The imam told Rami, I know how to make you a Muslim. When Rami told him this, he was happy. I was afraid. I asked him, you are not afraid? He told me, like, what they can do? The only thing they can do is kill me, and then I will be killed for Christ. He was happy, and he was speaking like he was ready. After Rami was killed, I remember his life a month or two before he got killed, God was preparing him to do this, and Rami was ready for this. He didn't share with me about the threat at the time. Just two days before they kidnapped him, he shared that story with me. So he was not afraid, but you were afraid. I was terrified, not afraid, terrified. How did you find out that Rami had been kidnapped? It was Thursday, October 4th. He told me that a car was following him and looked at him all the way to the house. He looked at them and recognized them. They were looking at him in a way that made him afraid. Hatred? Yes, hatred. He got afraid from their look. Wow. Friday, Rami's sister heard him get a phone call. She heard him say, what you want from me? I don't know you. Saturday, he went uh, to his job. At four o'clock, he needed to go back home. When he didn't arrive, I called to ask about him. He told me, I'm going on a trip. We knew that Rami is kidnapped. I spoke with the pastor of the church, with the Bible Society, and all of them started to look for Rami. At six o'clock, someone called me from Rami's phone. I told him, I want a clear answer. Where are you? He told me, I am on a long trip, and it will take a long time. But it was Rami's voice? It was Rami who was talking? Yeah, it was Rami. This was the last time I heard his voice. Uh, At six in the morning, Rami's brother called me. Uh, He told me that they found Rami killed. And they already talked to the police, and the police found his body. Did you feel like God had let you down? At the beginning, yes. Um, At the beginning, I blamed God. Uh, At that time, we had bought a new home. Uh, We were just preparing it and getting the house ready to move. I was pregnant four months, and Rami was studying at the university in his last semester. So I started crying, why, why God in this time? 
Nothing is complete yet. God, why this happening to me now? But God right away gave me a verse. Everything worked together for good for those who love God. But back then, I refused the verse. What the good thing that will come through killing my husband? So two years before this, Rami had been a banker, a nice, comfortable, safe job. He goes into ministry, and two years later, he's killed, two and a half years. Was that one of your questions to God? Why did you call us into ministry just to have my husband killed? Yeah, not exactly that question, which is, if you want Rami to to get killed for you, why you let me get married to him? That's a fair question. Did, did the Lord answer your question? I believe that God prepared me for Rami, for ministry. What Rami started, it's time for me to fulfill what he started. That is what I believe. God knows my personality, and the Bible says he cannot give you more than you can handle. God knows that I can do this job, and God knew that Rami, back then, was the one that was ready to be killed for Christ. In the beginning, when we got married, the day of our wedding, we entered our home, sat on a couch, and we prayed together that God will be the Lord of all this house. The verse we used on our wedding card says, If God did not build the house, the workers labor in vain. So the Bible tells us that he will not give us more than we can handle. But did you ever feel like having your husband killed, raising three kids by yourself, was more than you could handle? Every time I said to God, I cannot handle more than this. I am the one who my husband got killed. A lot of times I fell down. I would get depression mood. Every time I look at myself and my situation, I feel down. But when I look to God, God lifts me up. I felt that I started to go and live my life again after five years from the time Rami got killed. So five years. The Bible talks about God being a husband to the widow and a father to the fatherless. How have you and your children experienced that? through the last 15 years? The most fearful thing for me was I feared that my kids will want revenge from those who killed their father. I was always praying, God, I don't want my kids to get revenge. And I would tell my kids always that the ones that killed your father, you want to forgive them. You need to forgive them. Do you, do you want to hear how God got me to forgive these people? Yes, absolutely. Even when God gave me the verse, everything works together for good, I refused this verse. I got to the stage that I couldn't bear to hear the mosque, the call of prayer from the mosque. I couldn't hear it. I would remember that Rami is not here anymore, so I get angry. When the believers used to tell me that I need to forgive, uh, I was feeling upset. For me, at that time, Rami's killer, accepting Christ, meant he will go to heaven. And this is not acceptable. I wanted him to be killed, the worst death ever, and go to hell. 
I was praying. I spent a year praying the same prayer. God, I know that I am your daughter and I know that I need to forgive, but I can't forgive. Help me. When I forgive, let it be real forgiveness. In 2012, after five years, there was a conference. Uh, the title of the conference was The Real Forgiveness, but I really wasn't focused on the title, so I went. The Real Forgiveness. Uh, th- yeah, that was the title of the whole conference. The conference was during Ramadan, the same time that Rami got killed, and I was very angry. I was in depression. Uh, the first session, the preacher told all of us at the conference, uh, close your eyes and let God reveal to you who you need to forgive. So I closed my eyes and asked God to reveal to me whom he wants me to forgive. I heard a clear voice, the one that killed Rami. And I waved my hand, like kind of uh, showing a fly away from your face. No, 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 no. I don't want to forgive. I needed to take the kids to for swimming and I, I was very tired. So I chose not to go to the next session that night. But then I felt like kind of embarrassed not to go. I decided that I need to go. I, I will just go, but I will just sit in the back, very back row, uh, the last seat. Uh, I don't care. Uh, there was very, very powerful worship. Um, I didn't feel anything. I was very tired. The preacher was speaking again, but I didn't get anything from it. Uh, At the end of the sermon, he said, if you need a special prayer, come to the front and we will pray for you. Like a special prayer. If you need to forgive someone, come up and and we will pray for you. Yeah, but I didn't do anything. Um, But every time God kept telling me, go, go. Um, But I didn't want to go. Uh, I refused. Then it was time that I needed to hear the voice of God and obey. I thought, I will just go and just see what they are doing in front. The minute I got there, the Holy Spirit filled me. I was crying. Then I fell down. The last day of the conference, he asked us to close our eyes and pray to forgive those people that made bad things in our lives, to forgive them. So I closed my eyes and I was praying. Uh, All the stories that I had been through came in front of my eyes. Uh, I was crying a lot uh, because a lot of people put their hands on me. Um, I pray saying, "I, I want to forgive these people and let them free from my life. When I opened my eyes, I felt like I was a new person. I went to my house and forgive. When I got home from that conference, I felt like that I am praying in a deep way. I felt like a different person. Then after I forgave, God opened the ways for ministry that I wanted to do from before, but I couldn't know or figure out how. But then God opened the way for me to start doing it. In 2015, after, and after 10 years, uh, I was sitting uh, and my sister called me and told me, you know, the one who killed Rami, they found him. She sent me a report. I was with my son, George, the oldest. Uh, when I saw what the man looked like, it was like for a minute, I lost my, my forgiveness. 
But right away, God stopped me. And he told me, remember, in your testimony, you spoke about how God used him, that Rami got killed for Christ. Then I did a post on Facebook. I renewed my forgiveness to him. I asked for forgiveness and blessing for him and his life. And you posted that on Facebook? Yes. Wow. A lot of people were against me, especially Rami's family. They made me feel that I don't care about him getting killed or being killed. Um, for three weeks uh, from when I saw the report that Rami's killer has been arrested until he was executed, I was in a lot of war inside my mind. The one who killed Rami, he was a Hamas member. After this, he got out from Hamas and he built something called Jaish al-Islam in Gaza. Um, they are the same mindset as ISIS. And after this, he worked with Israel. Israel asked him to kill someone, a big leader in Hamas. When he killed him, Hamas was very mad at him. Uh, so Hamas catch him. Because he was a traitor to them? Yes, but when Hamas wanted to kill him, Fatah, the Palestinian authorities, um, give like a report. Uh, you, you will kill him because he killed this leader in Hamas. Uh, they wanted to kill him because he killed the member from Hamas, not because he killed Rami or anybody else. At the same time, people all over the world knew he was the one who killed Rami. Through this time, Satan was like giving me bad ideas. Um, like, this is a person who killed Rami. This is a person who made you a widow. This is a person who forced you to leave your city, to move to another city. At that time, when these ideas came to me, I was refusing to listen to this voice. And then I kept praying for this guy. God, please let him remember the message Rami gave him. And let him accept you as Lord and Savior. Uh, back in that time, I wanted to know how George would react, my oldest son. I was shocked by his answer. He said, I forgive him and I pray that he will go to heaven and meet with my dad. At the day they were planning to execute this guy, um, I went to my mother-in-law and uh, but I also felt that I need to put something on Facebook that day that he will be killed. I told my mother-in-law and my sisters, and they told me one sentence. Say anything you want, but don't speak about forgiveness. But for me, I needed to obey God. I got the kids to sleep at 10, at 12 o'clock, and I started praying. God, you want me to write something? But I don't know what to say. I don't know what to write. God gave me a title. And the title was, God is the maker of justice. And then I wrote a message about forgiveness and what I had been through. When I wrote it and posted, I saw that God touched everyone who saw this post. The ones who were against me before, they were with me now. I was shocked. The family of Rami, after they read this, they told me that now they forgive. So what would you say? Because some of the people who listen, they're trying to forgive someone, probably not someone who killed their husband, but someone who's wronged them in some way. How would you encourage them 
to pursue that forgiveness? Forgiveness is a decision. That is what I experience. You cannot forgive by your own strength, but when you have this will, a real will, an honest will to forgive, and you put it in front of God, God will help you to forgive. Not through you. It's God will help you to forgive. I spent a year of praying for a real forgiveness, and God started to help me to forgive. I thought I had forgiven already, but God, when He wants to forgive, He wants to give us the real forgiveness. He prepared me until I got to enjoy and experience the real forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision we need to make. One of the things that we want to do is help our listeners to pray. What are some ways that we could pray for your family and for your ministry right now? I am in a need for a lot of prayers. When I moved out from Gaza, all of the official paperwork for me still listed my old address in Gaza. Now my kids are 17 and 16, and when they get their ID, it will still have the Gaza address. My prayers are that before the end of the year, God give me favor uh, to change my address because now the Israeli government is open for change of addresses. And I and my older son, we tried in the request to change our ID. If they grant a change for my address, the younger kids will be changed also because they are minors. But 4th of December, my son will be 16. If the change for my for me happens after that, uh, he will not be included in the change of address, and he have to go through the process separately. So all that paperwork needs to be done before December 4th? Uh, yes, we are not legal. We cannot move. We cannot go out. We cannot do anything. We will ask people to pray for that, and I want to encourage our listeners, pray even even right now, pray for the paperwork to go forward. Uh, that it will be approved and done and completed before that December 4th deadline. Uh, I can certainly understand why Pauline and her family wants that to be completed. Pauline, what about the Christian community here? How do we pray for the broader Christian community uh, in the West Bank, in Gaza, in Israel? Uh, I'm seeing the people uh, getting far away from God, more like living in the world not with God. Uh, they will not pr- prioritize God or Jesus or the ministry. I pray that Christian community be together and that God put on their hearts to love each other. I want people to get back to the passion to serve the Lord uh, for the sake of the Lord, not because of any program or doing these things for the funds or, or so, but seeking God and serving God for the sake of of the ministry and glorifying God. Return to their first love. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Pauline, for sharing. It is such a blessing for us to be with you today. Thanks for you. Thank you. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. 
all donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.